paradox is uh, something that we kind of all feel like we have sort of a concept or an understanding of, but it's defined in, in this way. Uh, it's a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition or like an idea that when explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Here's a paradox. Mother Teresa said this. If you love until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love. Twist your mind around that. George Orwell, in that uh, haunting book, 1984, spoke these words. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Those are the words that were spoken by the, uh, the big brother. And then Robert Frost, one of my favorite poets. Women will understand this one. Men work together whether they work together or apart. Men work together whether they work together or apart. The early church was born out of Judaism. It, it was born out of um, a religion, if you will, that was governed by the Mosaic Law. We think of the Mosaic Law, we think of Moses uh, going up on the mountain and getting the tablets and the Ten Commandments. But if you, you, know, you read... Uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you see that there's a whole lot to the Mosaic Law. It actually was a complete guide to how to live life well and as God would want us to live. And so it had in there all kinds of principles, all kinds of directives all kinds of rules and regulations from what you ate, how you cared for yourself physically, how you were governed, how you worshipped, everything. I mean, it was the complete guide to how God wanted his people to live their lives. The church was born out of that. And when Jesus Christ came, he brought a gospel. He brought good news. And it was a gospel of freedom. And so the early church had to work through how does freedom that Christ has given relate to the Mosaic Law and, and all of those rules and all of those regulations which were so constraining, so restraining, so uh, limiting and guiding. The early church really dug into this discussion about how the gospel and the Mosaic Law were to kind of dovetail 
and what the relationship should be. Through, as we've spoken of earlier, uh, the issue of circumcision. And, and, and we, we've talked about the Council of Jerusalem where um, the issue of, of whether non-Jews who accepted the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ needed to adhere to the rules of the Mosaic law and be, and be circumcised. And essentially the verdict that came out of that was no. <laughs> uh, Gentiles who come to faith in Jesus Christ are not Jews <laughs> and therefore are not required to um, be circumcised. And of course, then there was all the implications of what about all the other stuff about food that you are to eat or not to eat, and behaviors and just all of those things. But circumcision was sort of the lightning rod. It was sort of the catalyst. And Paul, um, who was the apostle to non-Jews, um, wrote this, particularly to a church in Galatia that was dealing with people who were coming in and infiltrating their ranks and were saying, you need to be circumcised. You are Jews first if you are a follower of Jesus. And Paul is emphatic. Listen to these words. Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Wow, those are strong words. If you allow yourself to be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. So if you're going to get circumcised, then you have to obey the whole law. And you are under the law, not under grace or the freedom of Christ. You who are trying to be justified by the law, justified is just, you could take that word out and say saved. Those who are trying to be saved by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Earlier, he writes these words, if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Which makes sense, right? If you can be saved and made right with God through obeying the law, why would Jesus come anyways? Because the law was already here. You could just obey the law. But of course, Christ came, and he didn't come for nothing. He actually came to fulfill the law so that we would be free of the consequences of never being able to fulfill the law. Because that's the catch-22. I know this is probably making your head ache a little bit because we're talking about something that really doesn't relate too much to you, the law of Moses. But you got to understand it in the big scheme of things. But Christ came and he fulfilled the law because, in fact, the law was given, it was, the, it was known as the perfect law. And no one 
absolutely no one, the Bible even says this, became right through obeying the law. Because no one could obey the law perfectly. And if you just missed out on one little cross of a T, if you missed out on one little bit, you blew it. And you were never fulfilling the law. And so Christ came, and he who was perfect fulfilled the law for us. And gave us this great gift of grace that we would not have to live with the consequences of not being able to fulfill the law, which is sin and death and bondage to Satan. So, let's get back to Paul. We know what his stance on circumcision, circumcision is. And he says in uh, the book of Galatians again, that he put into practice when he was dealing with Gentiles this principle that you don't have to be circumcised. And he, he says it right here in Galatians 2. He talks about a time when him and Barnabas went up to Jerusalem. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, uh, this time with Barnabas, and I took along, uh, I took Titus along. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that I was not, had, was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So you're saying to yourself, Tim, you talked about a paradox. Where's the paradox? There's no paradox here. Um, it's a new truth. It's, it's, the, it's the, the new reality that when Jesus Christ came, he freed us from uh, the bondage to the law in the sense that we had to work really super, super hard and try to be perfect. He freed us from that by basically fulfilling the law on our behalf. And therefore, you know, we are free from a lot of those rules and a lot of those regulations. Uh, so there's no <coughs> paradox there. It's just that this was the new truth that came with Christ. Well, now we need to turn to the next passage of Scripture, which is actually our Scripture for the day. Acts 16, 1-5. Paul and Barnabas are, and you know this because this is where we are in our journey through Acts, they're on their second missionary journey, which is actually more of a going back and sort of reporting on the, the meeting that they had in Jerusalem about whether or not, you know, Gentiles had to be circumcised and the relationship between the law and the gospel. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. 
And as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So what gives? <laughs> What's the deal? Here he is, the champion of the message of the Jerusalem Council, that Gentiles who come to faith in Jesus Christ are not made Jews, are not required to be circumcised. And here he is, he's circumcising a guy. Timothy. Is he a hypocrite? He accused Peter and Barnabas of being hypocrites. Remember, we talked about that. Peter and Barnabas were being hypocrites. They were hanging out with the Greeks and the Gentiles, the non-Jews, until some of the people from the Jerusalem churches uh, came up, and then they started to distance themselves and say, well, I'm not going to hang out with those guys. And he, he called them a hypocrite. Paul said, I, I don't care if he's Cephas, the man upon which Christ was going to build his church or not. He was wrong. And I told him so. So is Paul just no different? On the one hand, he's saying, you, you know, Christ is of no value to you at all if you circumcise yourself. And then he goes and he circumcises some guy. What's the deal? You see, this is where, you know, you get people sort of saying, yeah, you see, the Bible contradicts itself. You see, it's weak. It's not at all. And Paul is not at all contradicting himself. What we're seeing here is what's called the paradox of Christian freedom. The paradox of Christian freedom. Let me explain. First, let's understand Paul. You've got to love Paul. Paul would probably be a guy who would make you feel uncomfortable if you're around him, to be honest. Because he's a zealot. Like, he is intense, right? When he was a Jew, he was zealous for the law of Moses. And he even went around killing people who became Christians because he considered them heretics. He was zealous. But when Christ busted his world apart, he became zealous for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he lived for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was what he was about. It was his MO. Many occasions he says, I do this, all of this, for the sake of the gospel. So, understanding how Paul is, I want us to understand how, on the one hand, he can not circumcise Titus, but circumcise Timothy. Let's take a look at Titus first. Titus was the poster child, if you will, of the fact that Gentiles did not need to be circumcised. We've talked about the fact that circumcision was what brought you into 
the covenant community of the Jews. You were a Jew because you were circumcised. Okay? But we've also talked about the fact that when you became a Christian, it wasn't circumcision that makes you a Christian. It is baptism by the Holy Spirit. Being infilled with the Holy Spirit is what makes you a Christian. And so we see that Titus was a Christian. There was no question about that. People spoke highly of him. He, he was a Christian, and he came along with Paul, and he in no way felt compelled to make Titus um, become a Jew and be circumcised. Timothy, on the other hand, poor guy. <laughs> Paul said, let's circumcise you. Undoubtedly, Timothy cooperated with this process. But why is there a difference? Well, first of all, we need to understand that Timothy is a Christian. Right? He is a Christian. He did not need to be circumcised. But... For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the mission, it was prudent for him to be circumcised. You see the difference? Timothy wasn't made better by his being circumcised. <laughs> Timothy wasn't made a Christian because he was circumcised. He was a Christian. He did not need to be circumcised, but he and Paul decided that for the sake of the gospel. And why? Because on their mission, they were going to people who wouldn't understand this concept. And instead of making it all about his freedom, he decided, Timothy did, and Paul encouraged him to use his freedom to reach people who were lost and under bondage to the law of Moses. So you've got it up there, don't you? Galatians 5, 6, we know that in Christ Jesus, circumcision means nothing. But look what Paul says to the Corinthians. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, so as to win those under the law. Are you starting to see the paradox? <laughs> I would say this is the paradox. You've heard about Mother Teresa's paradoxical statement. Okay? And Robert Frost and, and uh, George Orwell. Here, here's what I would say is the paradox of Christian freedom. Jesus Christ has set us free to be his slaves. <laughs> it's paradoxical, right? Jesus Christ has set us free to be his slaves. Here's a beautiful picture from the Mosaic Law, which is a good law, a perfect law. We just can't fulfill it. The Mosaic Law, like I said, dealt with everything. Dealt with debt. Okay? And so there would be Jews who fell on hard times and actually 
would enslave themselves, actually give themselves to another Jew um, because they'd fallen on such hard times. But the beauty of the Mosaic law, which I might add, is so contrary to the principle that this world runs on, capitalism. The principle of the Mosaic laws was after seven years, your debts are forgiven. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense in our world, right? I want my interest. <laughs> you haven't paid off your debt. No, in, in the Jewish Mosaic law, after seven years, you're free. But the beautiful picture is that there was a provision allowed where someone could actually decide, no, I want to remain a slave. I love my master. I want to stay under his authority. And so we read it in Exodus. Exodus 21. But if the servant, after seven years, he's set free, declares, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master takes him before the judges. He shall take him to the door. Now listen to this. Or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. And then he will be his servant for life. He's free. And yet he chooses to be pierced. Paradox of Christian freedom. You see, the love that we have for Christ sets us free from the constraints of the Mosaic law, which we can't fulfill, Christ fulfilled for us. Sets us free from the constraints of sin. Sets us free from the constraints of death, which is a consequence of not fulfilling the Mosaic law. Sets us free from Satan and bondage to Satan, who's the king of all that. The gospel sets us free so that we can serve our master who we love so much for setting us free. We just want to serve him with all of our heart. What did I say the paradox was? Jesus Christ has set us free so that we can be his slaves. So the seeming paradox of freedom, you'll hear it now in Romans 6. Let me read Romans 6. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, You've come to obey from your heart the pattern of the teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. But what benefit did you reap from that? 
What benefit did you reap at, the time, at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So just as the Apostle Paul and Timothy decided to do something they didn't need to do, and that was to obey the directive of circumcision, they did that out of great love for the freed, for God and all of the freedom that they had in God. And we too have been set free. The issue of circumcision is not an issue for us anymore. But there are all kinds of other issues. And the question really is, what do we do with our freedom? We are set free. We are set free from sin, death, and Satan. But do we enslave ourselves to righteousness? Because that is the appropriate response. That's the appropriate response, is to be a slave of righteousness, to be slaves of God, to serve our God who's pierced our ear and made us his own. I just want to close with a few questions because I can't even imagine all of the implications there are in this lesson for you. So I'll just be general with these questions. I want you to ask, what do you do with your freedom, the freedom that you have been given? Also, is your freedom in Christ all about you? Is it all about you? Are you the one who is the only benefactor? <clears throat> or the person who's benefited? Probably better put. Are you the only one who benefits because <clears throat> you've been set free? Next question. Do you regulate? Do you bind yourself? Do you restrict yourself? Do you regulate your life for the sake of the gospel? Go back to Paul. I don't think Paul is any different than what Christ expects any of us to be. We are to live for the sake of the gospel. That is your purpose in life. <laughs> to live for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you regulate your life? Do you say no to certain things and yes to other things because of the gospel of Christ? And then finally, does God's love for you affect how you treat other people? Are you willing to surrender your right or your rights for the sake of the gospel 
and for the benefit of somebody else. And the Apostle Paul was great about this stuff. As you read his letters to the different churches, you know, there was this big debate about food, you know. Should you eat this kind of food because the Mosaic Law said you shouldn't? Or can you just use your freedom to enjoy the food? We know there's nothing in the food. There's nothing magical about food. Food's food. And Paul said, you know what? Food's food. But I won't eat that food if it, if it offends my brother. That's surrendering my rights as a freed person in Christ for someone else. Does God's love for you affect how you treat others? I'll close with the, uh, it's funny to say this, the Nobel Prize winning laureate, Bob Dylan. <laughs> he won the Nobel Prize. After I read these words, you might wonder, what's going on with the Nobel Committee? <laughs> but I do think he's deserving, personally. These are his words in a great album that he wrote. It's was, was all Christian music. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it might be the devil, or it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the work, the incredible work you did in Paul's life. That he would understand these things to the level that laid down a track for us. So we understand the how, to, how to operate within this paradox of Christian freedom. That we would know that yeah, we're free, absolutely free. But we're free to serve you and others. And so, Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would uh, help us to work this out. Convict us for areas in which we just use our freedom for our own good, our own benefit. And encourage us to just so love you, so love the freedom that you've given us, so appreciate what you've done for us, that we are willing to just serve wholeheartedly those you've called us to serve. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. God bless you all.